possible. Need another big third down conversion. Meyer looking to throw, fires deep down the left side for Blythe, and he has the catch. Tiptoeing the sidelines, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Todd Blythe, his fourth of the day. Unbelievable. Welcome back, Cyclone fans. Another episode, Meyer to Blythe, Fiesta Bowl. Should we go? No fans allowed, but I do believe that, um, I don't know if it's Brock Purdy or somebody, Mike Rose, or I think you're related to Mike Rose. He's yeah, got, absolutely. You know what it is? Chase Allen. He's got red hair. You got a red beard. So I think you could probably <laughs> pass as like Chase Allen's older brother. Yeah, probably. Much older brother. Much older brother, yes. So you're in, and then I'll probably just try to go like – I'll just be like, you know, I'm adopted because I am adopted. And then say, like, my biological brother is Brees Hall or somebody like that, Sean Perfect. Shaw. And then that, yep. I'll get in, the, get in the game that way. We're definitely getting in the gates. I think we should go. And we may, you know, if we're in Arizona, they have golf courses. We have golf clubs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> why not, right? Well. Oh man, that's uh, I like that you're starting off on a positive note here, talking about the bowl game. I didn't, I didn't want to lead off and just be, you know, kind of a downer right away, talking about the game from Saturday. But well, I've been logging on to Twitter and hearing some of those idiot like national columnists who just want like easy hits, and they're just like, it's a travesty. Iowa State with three losses isn't. It's like, shut up. Who cares? Like about like us getting into the game and over like coastal like Indiana, like. Indiana did the Indiana beat a team if you're if you're for like a team just being passing the eye test like Ohio State because they don't have the the resume or the record to warrant being what are they the three seed uh if you're if you're for them passing the eye test and then you know getting to where they are because of that then then you're for us doing the same thing you got to look at the the whole body of work yeah we lost to Louisiana to open up the season look what we did all year yeah, Indiana was second in their division. We were second in our league. So it looks like, you know, they basically – I don't believe they had a win over a winning team. Maybe Wisconsin. It's just a bad league. Like I say yeah, that I mean, anyway, but it, it actually was this year. Yeah, the Big Ten didn't do anybody anybody in their league any favors. Obviously, Penn, but Penn State was trash. Michigan was trash. Michigan State was trash. Iowa was actually turned out to be a, a decent football team. <clears throat> How do we know though? They didn't beat anybody either. Not Iowa's good. Their defense will have them in any game. But I mean, they're playing in the Outback Bowl on January second. Like, what really is the difference between the? Out, I mean, whatever. Fiesta Bowl. I, I didn't even look. Are they really better. playing in the Outback Bowl? They are. They play Ole Miss. Is that like but, nine of the last ten bowl games have been the Outback Bowl? No, no, no. This is um. Dude, I was going to like the Music City Bowl. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. They're playing yeah. Missouri. Or, yeah, which is, you know, Missouri, that's a bad game. But yeah, we're, I'm talking Indiana's going gotcha. to the. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, at any rate, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, I just, I just laugh at some of the people who kind of fly over once a year and check in, like some of the national columnists. And I did like, see but, one thing, uh, talking about the bowl games. So, there's a three and seven. Is it Mississippi State that's three and seven or something like that that's going to a bowl game? But then nine and two, um, I think it was the, I don't know if it was Army or who it was. It was one of the Army, yeah. Yeah. Is nine and two and, and didn't get a bowl bid. 
Mississippi State is playing in the Armed Forces Bowl. Yeah, that's right. And Army's like, it's like get, Mike Leach is his team does not want to play another game. Like, just no. Call up. He, he doesn't want State. to. Yeah, and just be like, look, man, would you guys take the L so Army can get in? They'll say yes. Army's in the game. And who knows? They may even uh, they may even actually do that because hopefully some of those national columnists that we love so much will get enough uh get it trending and they'll make it happen so who knows but um yeah let's talk a little i mean obviously saturday's game not the result that we wanted but i mean you talk about the way we started and for us to have a chance in the last possession to win the game i think it kind of speaks to again matt campbell coach teams and how we just hang around and we fight back and our defense i think what gave up three points in the second half total I mean, yeah. they, they, they bowed up when they needed to. And offensively, we had a couple drives. We got going there. And unfortunately, at the end, we just, you know, turnovers, three three interceptions from Bra. I thought he competed hard. Like, he was running. He was running hard, competing hard. And, you know, I've been in those situations where sometimes, obviously not in the Big 12 title game, but just where games where you try to do too much. I think back to TCU where my turnovers cost us dearly. Um, one of those, like his second pick where he was rolling out to the right, and kind of just flinged it, and there was two OU guys there. And one of our guys, I literally had a, a pick, like the exact same pick. And I remember coming, it was out of a timeout, and I was on the phone with Fitch, who's up in the press box, and he was like, if it's not there, throw it away. Wasn't there, threw it right to TCU. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been there um, as a quarterback. This isn't loss, isn't on him. I know he wants to play better. We've seen him play better, but uh, he competed his butt off, and – um, you know, we're not in this position without him. So hopefully he doesn't take this one too hard, but yeah, kind of I mean, go, th- go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, especially for fans and guys like me just sitting on the couch, watching the game now, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, but I think you're exactly right. When you can get the, all the reminders you want from a, from your coordinator, from your coaches or teammates or whatever, even in the huddle right before the snap, once live bullets are firing, it's it's a whole different ball game, especially the quarterback position. You guys are trying to process so much more information than everybody else. Um, so, yeah, would you like him to make a better decision, especially late in the ball game like that? Of course, but it, it's hard to fault a kid who, I mean, like you said, battled his ass off all afternoon or all morning and uh, and really all season to get us to that point. So, I mean, I was frustrated at the end of the game, especially with that last throw being on third down rather than fourth. But I mean, we don't get to that position without Brock Purdy for sure. Yeah, I mean, so we'll kind of go through. I mean, the first, I mean, some of the impactful plays or moments in the game, obviously second play of the game, you know, losing um, probably the third or fourth most important player on our team and Ashim Young on a, I mean, it's by the letter of the law, it's probably targeting. It's a bad rule. I mean, yeah, the, the letter of the law is yeah. written wrong. And yeah, the refs, I mean, the refs are are reviewed and – I just I know they make those calls based on how they're going to be um I mean how they're going to be graded basically. Right. Yeah, and, and if they don't, you know, so they're always gonna err on the side of making that call. And it's just a it's the right interpretation of just a terrible rule. And like targeting when it first came about, everybody knows why it's there, what type of hits we're trying to get out of the game. And it was initially not reviewable, and that was, like, terrible. Like, there'd be replays, and we'd see it. We'd have all these great slow-mo replays. Guys would be missing games for hits they shouldn't be, so they finally amended that. Now it's time to take the next step, and maybe if it's, like, like level one, level two targeting, level one targeting, 
you know, 15 yards, you're not ejected. And if you get one more, like, you know, whatever, like personal fouls, you're gone. But just in a game like this, as you saw, it's just the competitive balance. It's too big. And it's not even that. It's, you know, I understand it's player safety, but I think we could do better. Yeah. I mean, my take on it is how do we even play that position anymore in football? How do you play safety? Like your job is to keep things in front of you, come downhill and, and, you know, make a tackle. And like the argument that I've seen, that I've seen on Twitter and, and heard people have is, well, the, the receiver was falling down. Okay. So you, if you want to coach a guy to say, Hey, if he looks like he's maybe starting to fall down, I want you to pull off and not touch him. I mean, as soon as you do that one time and somebody puts a hand on the ground, these are elite athletes, you know, and they stay up, uh, you know, just great balance, make a play and they run for 70 yards for a touchdown. I mean, the, the kid's going to be wrong either way there. And it, it's, you're exactly right. That I, we talked about this kind of on our group chat that we have with uh, some of our old teammates with, you know, Flynn and uh, Mylon and JD and some of those guys during the game is, I mean, the NBA with their flagrant one and flagrant two kind of has the right idea of, and you said, I think your exact uh, text and it was, yeah, it's a bad rule. It should be 15 yards and keep it moving. Like, give us the 15 yards, but keep the game going. You don't throw a kid out for the rest of the game. Um, uh, I don't know. It just – and for us, it was especially impactful being the second play of the game for one of our top defenders and, and top players on the team. Well, they've already got it figured out. That's what they do for personal fouls. Like, that's his first personal foul of the game every time it happens. So, just do that with targeting. Yeah. And if somebody gets two targets, then they're gone. But – we got to fix that. And then also like, if you have something in the second half of a game, then it's a clean break. It does not affect you the next game, making yes. somebody sit up. That's just like, I mean, that's like micromanagement, like, like pop one or stuff. It's, it's so bad. I mean, you talk about billions of dollars around the line. Coaches are making gobs of money. There's 80,000 people. I mean, just to have rules like that, when you have a game that's gone this far and is this popular, it's just ridiculous. But yeah, so I think we agree on the targeting. We kind of skipped over one uh, one part of the game, the opening kickoff. Do we want to talk about how we uh, kicked the ball out of bounds on the opening kickoff? Yeah, I mean, that happens. That happens with good kickers. The issue, I mean, I'd say my my biggest, you know, I guess things that I want – something I want to see corrected is, you know, find somebody that can just kick the ball out of the end zone. I mean, I, it, on like a normal average day, it's not a 20 mile power wind, but just like indoors. Yeah. I think that's just cause I know that a lot of teams will try to kick it high and deep, but some of like a big sequence that really hurt us was at the end of the first half when we had, we had just scored our first touchdown. So it's 17, seven down 17, nothing. We go down and score 17, seven. There's one thirty on the clock, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then we, do a high kick and it we kick it to the 12 yard line. So their guy catches it on the run, big return. And they're in plus territory on our 44. They score three plays later. Yep. You know, if we're able to just kick the ball out of the end zone, they got to go 75 yards. Instead, our kickoff team, which has been up and down all year, we don't get a good kick. And then they have to go. I mean, that's like 40 yards of field position. So I, I mean, that to me, and I look, our coaches are good enough to know they probably need to address that. And it's a good thing. Like I mentioned this on the halftime show is like, you know, we know, I know Jamie Cole, we know Brett Culbertson. So Cole's kicking camps, because I think college kicking by and large has kind of gotten a little bit better. And a big reason for that is there's Cole's kicking camps. He started at Jamie Cole and Iowa State alum. His, his number two in command, Brett Culbertson played with us, Iowa State guy. 
I'm not to say they would just hand us like the best kicker in the country every year, but like we have a, hopefully there's a relationship there to where like, you know, we can kind of have just an idea and our coaches know that they know how to recruit kickers, but we just got to find somebody, man. that's like, can just boot it out of the end zone. Cause there's a lot of guys that can do that. And maybe they the are talking to Cole and, and hopefully they are, they probably are. But I think you're exactly right is, is we have a relationship with the best, you know, kicking coaches and kicking camps in the nation. You know, we need to be able to tap into that relationship and get the, get the information we need. Like when we're recruiting a kid, is this a, is this a really good high school kicker? Uh, he looks good in high school. He can kick it to the end zone in high school. He can make, you know, a 30, 35 yard field goal and it looks great. But when he gets into college football, is he going to kick it down to the eight-yard line and give them a return every time? Or is it a guy who's going to kick it out of the back of the end zone? Like, that's the information we, we need to, you know, just to kind of verify what you see on film with a recruit, you go to the experts and say, is this kid really an elite, you know, college kicker? Because that's what we need, especially with – and you made the point, our kickoff team was a little bit of a liability all year. And then you give, uh, you give returners a running start at the 10- or 12-yard line um, it makes it even tougher on them. So that's, that was just something that it seemed like it just never really got fixed all year. And it, and it needs to for next year. It needs to for the bowl game. Hell. Yeah. And let's, let's be clear. Like we know that our coaches know how to, we're not, you know, trying hoping that like, Hey Campbell, if you're listening, this is what you need to do. Like we know that they, you know, they understand what, what needs to be fixed. And I'm sure he is listening by the way. Yeah. Matt, how you doing? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, just a part of the game that's, you know, extremely important special teams and kickoff. I mean, yeah, just especially when you're in a dome, there's there's no elements. Just put it out of the end zone. Put it in the end zone. I mean, teams barely bring them out now. I mean, there was one yeah. time where, you know, you have anxiety about kickoffs, which is kind of an unnecessary source of stress in a game. And they fair caught it. And it's like, I kind of exhale like, Oh, thank you. Like, you know, there's just nothing. And it was actually pretty, uh, that time it was a good kick. You put it inside the five yard line and you kind of see what happens when you're able to do that. So, well, I heard Chris on when you guys were talking about it on the halftime show, he even made the point on the opening kickoff. It went out of bounds. He kind of almost breathed a sigh of relief, leaf like, Oh, whew, well, I mean, at least they don't get a chance to return that, which that, <laughs> that shouldn't be a thought that we, that we have a kickoff should be, as a fan, as a coach, you obviously emphasize it, but as a fan, kickoffs are kind of overlooked and you're just kind of like, okay, I hope defense can come out and get a stop here. Um, yeah. So, I mean, after that sequence, we're into the first half. And so now we're down 24 seven and, you know, our defense really played really well in the second half, giving up basically, you know, the, the field goal on the second to last possession um, in the fourth quarter. So they, they gave us an opportunity to, to be in the game late. And that was huge for us to, because, you know, Spencer Rattler made some throws like he is, Oof. he's going to be really, I mean, he's already really good, but I mean, he's definitely one of those like number one overall pick. Like if you looked at all the quarterbacks coming out next year, like Trevor Lawrence, clear number one. I mean, I, I don't know who else you'd put in front of Spencer Rattler in terms of just raw ability. Um, he's got, I mean, he's kind of got like, you see him throw the ball. You're like, yep, right away, you know. And yeah, it looks so effortless. He made, a, he made a throw late late in the game, rolling out to his right, uh, kind of flushed out of the pocket, and he threw it downfield, you know, over the top of one level defender and kind of fit it in between um, two guys. And it just looked so easy and effortless. And he kind of looked at his side, he gave his sideline a look, um, just like almost like a little wink. And it, you could just tell like that part of the, that part of the game is so easy for him. The physical part of the game of just, you know, spinning the ball out there, it comes so easy and so natural to him. Uh, it, 
the only thing missing is experience. And he has a year of that under his belt now, and he's just going to get better and better. Yeah, I know the feeling just to be naturally gifted at everything. I mean, just. Yeah, listen, sorry, for sure. But... but we're not here to talk about you, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's talk about like um, the Twitter machine was a buzz when, uh, you know, our coach, Matt Campbell, was pretty. We'll say he was pretty, uh, he was somewhat animated at a non call offside. So, set the scene. It's fourth and one plus territory. It's definitely go zone, time in the game where you needed it. And we get up under center, hard count, and like they're offsides twice. The first time, they're, <laughs> like the second time. And, you know, I think by the letter of the law, they probably officiated it the correct way. They did. In but, order to get the, the call right now, they have to touch somebody on offense or they have to make us jump, you know, cause a, cause us to move. And mm -hmm. so, I mean, if you, if you want to get down to it, who, you know, who is wrong here? I'm not saying we even have to snap it. The right guard just pop up and point. But anyway, that's – I understand that, but the thing is, I would – in that situation, I would not want to leave it up to the officials to decide whether it's a false start or off. But we even did. If, even, I know, but even if they jump first, if it's fourth and one, and you know you're either going to try to get them off sides or and probably you know call a timeout. Yeah, you know their yeah. coach to, to sit still. Hey, guys, don't move on this. You're well, rock solid. I, I you don't move. In a normal setting, it's not like a – I'd say in a normal play, maybe it's like we're either going to – try to get them off sides or we're going to punt. We're not going to run a play regardless. Then you probably do the thing where like, Hey, they jump, we move. But in that point in the game where we needed that possession, they probably told them under no circumstance, do you guys move? And then yeah. the frustrating part was like, it's, it's somewhat inconsistent when you see that officiated, they don't always cross the line and touch them. And when the, when the, when the nose guard, the shade for Oklahoma jumped, like that was, that's called a hundred percent of the time when somebody gets that close to your offensive line, whether we move, snap the ball or not. So yeah, that, that was the, yeah. the inconsistency is what you have a problem with is because you, like you said, you do, you see it called all the time where, so where a D line jumps across the line, they don't touch anybody and they still throw the flag immediately. Yeah. But I will say this, the officials, I think they knew they screwed it up because I mean, coach, you know, coach Campbell did everything he did and he should have got a personal foul. That was 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I think they knew like, okay, we screwed it up and their, their admission was not penalizing him the 15 yards because yeah, for he five minutes, up. he, for five minutes, he just pointed at the official and, and screamed, like, you! You! <laughs> which as a, as a player, looking back, I want your honest opinion. Is that cause I've seen, I've, you know, the Twitter machine again, we refer to that a lot, but yeah. is, uh, I've seen a lot of people, you know, Cyclone fans that are like, you know, that's awesome. The team loves that. That's great for the team. And then a lot of, um, you know, fans of other teams or, and some Cyclone fans too saying, you know, he's got to keep his cool. That's, you know, I understand passion, but that takes it beyond, you know, where, where do you kind of fall on that as, as a player, would you want your, your head coach reacting like that? I mean, I'll start by saying like, I would love to play for somebody like coach Campbell, hundred percent. Like he is OG. He is one of the best coaches I've ever seen. Like he is awesome. In that circumstance, as a quarterback or any position, really, like, because you saw even like our D lineman, like, you know, Jaquan Bailey was like, yo, he was like, chill, like, come mm -hmm. on. And you could tell. And um, so, yeah, as a quarterback, like, I'll say this, like, the next play is a turnover, you know, in the back of the end zone. I'm not saying yep. that's the reason why, but like, it's a chaotic situation at a really critical point in the game. Sideline needs to, because I can remember like going through two minute drills. And like, it's a critical point in the game. We're trying to score end of the game, whatever, you know, critical point in the second half. 
and looking over the sideline and seeing like 20 people like waving their arms, signaling. And I finally told Coach Cotton one time, I was like, hey, he signaled the plays in to our backup quarterback, Kyle Van Winkle. I'm like, you got to get away from like the chaos because I cannot find you. I can't see you half the time. Like it's just right. hard to concentrate on getting a signal. And this isn't the same thing, but I do know like as a quarterback, you know, Brock's looking over there and it's just chaos on the sideline. Coaches losing his mind and players are holding him back and fans are, you know, it's not a full stadium, but like, you know, there's an atmosphere there. And then the next play, it's kind of a, you know, yeah, you got enough, it in there. you got enough to deal with and enough to yeah. process. You yeah. don't need the extra chaos. And, yeah. And again, and think, he's, yeah. His initial reaction being pissed off, you know, that's awesome. I love that. I, you, you want a guy who's literally going to, you know, want to fight for his team. But at some point, he's got to put the headset back on and, and be head coach again, and cooler heads have to prevail, in, in yeah. my opinion. I, so I love the initial reaction. I just thought it, it he needed to click back into head coach mode a little bit quicker than he mm-hmm. did. Again, yeah, that's I'm not, just yeah, a I'm not, yeah, I'm not putting the turnover to Brock, you know, the pick. Uh, on coach Campbell at all. I will say that in that play, you could see it's basically, we used to run a climb, you know, you remember climb means nothing. That's mm-hmm. terrible radio, by the way, basically what it is, is like the two <laughs> outside receivers will run like dig routes, kind of mirroring each other on different levels. And then the tight end, who's a number three receiver, who's like, which meaning like you count outside in one, two, three, he was, um, he ran like a corner route and that was Charlie Kohler. Yep, it's really good down on the on the goal yeah, line. Especially great play in the red zone. You yeah, just, teams, you just, yeah. You teams are on that goal line. You know, it's seven across. Iowa used to run it. Everybody kind of runs on the same level, and so you just run two guys at their outside, you know, DBs, and then run Kohler in behind them. And the great play design. I think the ball you just need to throw it on the back pylon. Don't yeah, give well, them a, don't even, give a mean, chance. Yeah, it's either it's either our, us or nobody. You kind of forced yep. it there. But like you know, on the film, and I 100. percent This is the first thing you're saying is Chase Allen is the outside kind of dig or in whatever you want to call it. He's open underneath probably about the five, six yard line. You know, he might just be able to fall forward and score or, you know, we have a a first and goal. So a little bit of a force, but again, you know, I've, I, um, I may, I threw enough picks and I know that, um, I turned the ball over a heck of a lot, heck of a lot more than Brock did. So, um, I've been there. I don't remember. I don't remember any of those interceptions. Just a tough situation overall, but, one that um, was a momentum killer. But again, this is like, you know, a Matt Campbell team. Like we come back from stuff like that. That's a, that, that ends the game for so many teams. Yeah. But we come out defensively and we get a stop. And then I guess the next sequence we can go into is they go down, kick the field goal. So defense gets a big stop and then we're down six and it's just a two minute drive. And we had like, well, even before that, I, I, I got a question. Cause we talk about how we do such a good job of, you know, literally trusting the process and sticking to what we do and playing Iowa state football and not getting out over our skis and in crazy situations. Did that hurt us this game? The fact that we just kept running the ball on first down and ended up in second and eight, uh, you know, second and 10. I mean, we, we really couldn't get much going in the run game. Um, especially early on in the game, did that, do you think that hurt us? Especially, I I know you and I talked offline a little bit about, you know, third down situations as a quarterback. Is it, is it great for you to look out there and see, you know, three tight ends when it's third and eight? Um, I'll start with like the first part about running on first down. Like I noticed that, but at the same time, you know, Tom, man, that maybe just how he likes to call the game. Like we have the best running back in the country and Brees Hall, 
Um, I understand wanting to get him fed and maybe we had some favorable matchups on first down with our personnel and what they were running. And I mean, there's obviously so much more coaching and research and time that goes into it where they felt like running the ball on first down was the way to go. But yeah, after a while, it just seemed like, you know, you're throwing plays away and it's second and 10, second and nine, second and 11. It's hard to, it's hard to run offense that way. And yeah, I just felt like I know that we feature our tight ends and part of the reason is our receivers got to get better and we got to get more depth there. Um, but you know, it's, you know, we have three tight ends on the field and if they're not going to match us personnel wise and, you know, have an extra DB on the field and it's, it's harder to get open for sure. But, you know, I don't know what we were on third. Oklahoma's defense is a lot better. I mean, there's, you know, they were, they gave up less than 90 yards a game rushing. Like they were, I mean, that's the thing. Like that was like what Bob Stoops, why his teams were so good is because they had, you know, Jason White, Sam Bradford, and just these offenses that were crazy. And their defense was like really good. So, I mean, if they, if they figure it out on the defensive end, you know, I'll, I'll take them any day over just about any team, even to be able to compete with an Alabama or somebody like that, because offensively they can score against anybody, you know, so. Yeah, we we were we were four of thirteen on third down. Yeah, they I mean, were one not, they were one of eleven, but we were yeah. four of thirteen. Yeah, but that, that usually is indicative of having like third and eight plus. I mean, you don't see if you're having success on first down, your third down is going to be a lot better. That usually correlates. So, and the second piece of that, yeah, I mean, just there's so many teams who are so good. I mean, you see with Alabama and Steve Sarkeesian, like they're so good. And now they got like freaks all over the field. Obviously they got like seven first round picks at receiver every year, but so good. Yeah. But the thing they are really good about just giving opening, getting guys open um, by using space and we have tight ends and that's our offense is different and that's fine, but it is tougher on third and long when you have a lot of bodies and, you know, in the same spot and big bodies and slower bodies, it's just going to clog up certain areas but I, I get it that's our offense and you know we've been successful <laughs> we're pretty close to being you know a, a 10 or 11 win team this year so it's not like we got to change everything but um yeah I mean we noticed it and the first down runs put us in a situation where um you know we weren't successful on third down but we've done that the whole year and, and again we've won a lot of games yeah, again, and I think like we mentioned before, all of our critique and criticism is coming from two guys that are watching the game from their couch on Saturday. So just keep that in mind. And, and hindsight is, you know, like I said, twenty twenty. So it's easy to look back and, and try and pick things apart after the fact. Um, you made the, the mention about the receivers. You know, Hutchinson played well. I thought, you know, he's been really consistent all year. I thought he really played played his ass off on Saturday. Yeah. He made he made some really tough runs after the catch. Yeah, um, he's a monster after the catch. Yeah, he's, tough. He, he's, he's really good. really very tough. sudden. Yeah, yeah, a strong runner with the ball. Um, but God dang, we got to have somebody else show up. You know what? I I don't I I have no idea what's been going on with Milton all year. Why he's hasn't been available at he's all. Been and, dinged up though. He's been hurt. I, I know, but I don't I don't know what it is. It's just weird that we haven't really heard what the what the injury was. But uh, but you know you see flashes from other guys. Sean Shaw has had flashes. Uh, Acres has given us good things at times. Um, but I mean, really, it's been it's been Xavier Hutchinson and then those three tight ends. And it's that's got to be tough as a quarterback to know that all your money makers and all your really playmakers are, you know, inside the numbers and, and hanging out in the running seam routes. That's especially on third and eight. You talk about Alabama getting guys open because of space. Well, all of our receivers that we have in the ball game are going to be running, run around the same area. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, but again, they had a good defense and I thought we had a good plan. It was just at a certain point, if you're, you know, first down runs aren't really hitting, 
you know, maybe just chuck it, but you know, whatever, again, where these dudes on the couch just watching. So yep. one thing that I did <laughs> see, and this was during Alabama's game, like, you know, Najee Harris had just goes off for like five touchdowns, but um, I really hope that because sometimes, you know, the national media will get behind something and it's like, I just hope that Brees is still able to take home that Doak Walker. Well, I mean, it's not the most important thing in the world, but I don't know. Yeah, when it's vote. not, but at the same time it is like, I, I, yeah, you hope that people don't, the voters, this isn't the one game they watched or they get attached to some narrative and, and all of a sudden they, they forget that for the first, you know, eight, nine, 10 weeks of the season, he was the best running back in the nation and it wasn't close. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the stats, I think Brees has, they're both averaging the same, like 5.9 yards of carry. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brees has been more consistent and had, I think, a better year overall. And, like, Naj, I mean, if you have the passing game they do, yeah, stop it. You're going to used to be able to – yeah, I mean, everything is loaded for that offense. So, hopefully, we'll see. Though. I mean, you know, some of the national guys, I don't know who votes for the Doak Walker Award, but Brees deserves that, I think. Because coming into the game – I mean, Reese got 1,400 yards, 19 touchdowns. And, like, you know, Alabama is one of those schools where they get down in the goal line. They're not giving Mac Jones, like, those little dinky, like, you know, two-yard touchdown throws. They run the ball in the goal line. So right. more more opportunities for, you know, Najee to get touchdowns. But, yeah, hopefully – I just want the award. I like this because we had – I mean, think about the Big 12 awards. We had the Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, Newcomer of the Year. I think I'm – both come here on of offense, co-defensive freshman of the year. Yeah, okay. Young was co- we, co-freshman on D. Yeah, we had the – I think we had the former players podcast of the year. My heart of boys won that one. So, like, we're yeah, doing really for, well. First team as voted by uh, by the coaches in the AP. So, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. But, no, Brock um, – Brock, Brees needs to win the Doak Walker Award. If he doesn't, I'm going to be upset, but – Look out, world. Brett might be pissed off. Um, do, do you want to talk about the last drive? We started to get on that, and then I kind of cut you off. Yeah, thanks for cutting me off. Sorry. Way. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I mean, the last drive, like two-minute drills are really hard, okay? Especially, they're really hard. They're always chaotic unless it's like, you know, Rodgers or Brady and something. And those guys are just at Mahomes. It's just like automatic. But two-minute drills are hard to do. And we kind of had some good momentum first couple of plays uh, to get the ball in position to have a chance. Right. And that's what you want. Cause two minute drills, if you don't get started, you rarely have like a massive chunk play that gets you there. Like we had a couple and then we're in plus territory and then third down it's kind of chaotic. It's late in the clock, late in the play clock. We're running guys across the formation to get lined up. And as a quarterback, like you're rushing, you're rushing, you're rushing, and then you snap the ball. It's hard to do all that. And then just slow down everything slow down your thinking and I think Brock was just rushing rushing obviously throws it up probably an unnecessary throw but you're trying to make a play I get it and then I think Xavier just he mistimed his jump and then it's it's pick game over so hindsight again perfect world maybe use your timeout there you got one timeout left you know first down stop the clock in college so the worst part of that yeah the the throw is frustrating the worst part of that to me is having two false starts back to back. Yeah, that was, um, how does that happen? I feel like it's happened to us a lot this year, not just in like end of the game, tight situations like that, but getting down in the red zone, get down to, you know, first and goal in the seven or eight and all of a sudden uh false start. 
and now it's yeah, you know, first and goal yeah. from the 13 or something. I mean, that, that stuff, that's the kind of stuff watching football that drives me absolutely crazy, especially in this situation. It was probably kind of loud in there, but what was there, 15,000 fans in a 100,000-seat stadium? It couldn't have been that crazy loud. Yeah, one thing I did notice on the, after the two false starts was Brock was like, you could tell like he was getting his whole body into it and was really yelling the cadence. So I don't know if that was what caused the first couple false starts. I would, you know, but at any rate, there's no, no excuse, no explanations for that. Like you just can't happen in that situation. If that was the problem, that should have been the, the cause of the first couple start, like first couple false starts of his first couple games as a starter, like two years ago, it shouldn't be the issue you know, year three as a starter in, in yeah. my, you know, in my, yeah, I mean, very I don't unprofessional think, yeah, that's opinion. not, that's not why we lost the game for sure. But yeah, I mean that two minute drill and your momentum's in your favor and yeah, you just give up 10 yards and obviously not what you want. Um, but yeah, I mean, just the third down throats and I'm sure, you know, the coaches are probably watching the film and just like players, what, what could we have done better? You just wonder, yeah. I don't know if anybody asked him about it. Um, you know, whether or not they wish they could have used a timeout, but it doesn't, you know, hindsight's always 2020 we got the we got the benefit of just sitting back and watching it and but yeah i mean that was tough way to end the game you just want to have a chance and you know didn't feel like we gave ourselves a great chance there at the end with you know kind of how it all kind of panned out but again i mean a great year and let's look forward and now we um we're in the fiesta bowl <laughs> i could really i could care less if anybody doesn't feel like we deserve it yeah, I don't give a damn. Yeah, like, <laughs> I really don't care. It's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's like we were second in our league, you know, and I guess Indiana's probably the other team that maybe people felt like they deserved it. They were second in their division. So, mm-hmm. I mean, what do you want us to do? Like we're – In in a league that played all – you know, at least for, for Iowa State, played in all of our games. Yeah, and I know? get it. Like people are saying, like, you want to be mad at somebody, but you're mad at Oregon. You know, I know they won the championship, but they played what, like five games? They played. They were four and two. They four played and six two. games. They had their last one uh, canceled against. And we're only, yeah, I think they're only in this game because somebody bowed out, right, or somebody couldn't play. Because Oregon didn't qualify. Yeah, for this I game. don't. I don't remember exactly how it how it yeah. came down. So, but yeah, yeah just I mean, no, they is... they won the they won the Pac-12 title game against uh, against USC. Yeah, and this is like torture, just doing this to ourselves. And again, this is like you know, the definition of first world problems we get, there's bigger sacrifices being made, but Oregon's a team that probably wouldn't travel crazy well this year. Maybe they would. I don't know. Could you imagine how many Iowa state fans would be in Tempe for this game? That would be so, that would be such a good showcase for like Iowa state, our university, our fan base. As soon as I heard the bull pick, even before, uh, even before I found out or or heard the news that it was just families only, they weren't going to let fans go. Um, I text my wife because we both have gone down to, you know, Scottsdale and traveled together, down, you know, down to Phoenix area and stuff. And we both love it. And so I text her. I was like, are we going? She's like, oh, man, let's go. And then, you know, all of a sudden it, you know, it comes out that, uh, that fans can't go and it's just family. But that what an unbelievable place for like, you know, 100,000 Cyclone fans to go down oh to. That that been a... Scottsdale this time of year would be we'd all be escaping six inches, seven inches of snow. Uh, going down there, I'd be hacking up some golf course somewhere, just crushing beers all day. Oh, it'd be amazing. Crushing beers all day, bro. I mean, I do that back home now, but it's just be, it'd be a lot better in the warm weather. Yeah. Trying to think who I could say was like my biological brother that we were separated, the adoption or something, and then I could go to the game. 
<laughs> you're really putting a lot of thought in that. I can yeah. see you scouring <laughs> through the through the roster could, right now. No, you guys can't see him, but I'm I'm looking at him on the on the uh, I'm actually the looking Zoom at call else, here, but... scrolling through the roster trying to see who he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Shaw, he's big, tall, kind of skinny. No, kid. Sean Shaw is my um, half brother, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'll be there supporting Sean with number two on. So, <laughs> but yeah, that would uh, I'm excited, man. It'll be fun to watch, but I don't know a whole lot about Oregon. I know they, you know, they they recruit really well. Uh, they had a top five class this year. Obviously, those guys aren't playing, but um, now they're they have a lot of different. They have a lot of different uniform combinations. I know that. Yeah, it looks like they. I, I kind of peeked at their stuff earlier today, just to kind of. I was just looking at their schedule, and and the the two that they lost, they lost forty one thirty eight to Oregon State. They lost twenty one seventeen to California. So. It was two real close games. I mean, I don't know if I don't know Oregon State and California's record. I don't know if they were worth a shit, but yeah, we're playing a four and two Oregon team. So it, it is cool though. We're playing, you know, really kind of a um in college football these days, you know, a modern blue blood, I guess. Not necessarily yeah. that. Okay, so yeah, Oregon Texas State was Alabama, two and two. Cal was one and three, so but you never know. I mean, they could have had one and one and three. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. So they, they they beat Stanford, who finished the year okay. Washington State, terrible. UCLA, they were better this year, but still bad. And then, yeah, beat USC, who was playing pretty well. But, yeah, I don't know. I think we should probably be favored. I don't know. I, I got to think we will be. Okay, so I'm just looking. It says Oregon Fiesta Bowl tickets. It said find tickets as low as three forty four. You know, you get to click on it. It's like no tickets available, obviously, but <laughs> just torture. Yeah, man. But uh, a special season. Hopefully, we could get our be the second time we won nine games. Both times would be capped off with a bull win in Arizona. So yeah, that would be uh, a, a, I, it would be a huge way for us to kind of finish this cap this year, a special year. And for the players, I got to imagine, like, I, I, they're probably, you know, they obviously want to play this game, but maybe just be able to exhale because they've been at this for since like April of like distancing. And yeah. could you, I mean, think about it. Like, if you have like a girlfriend or somebody on campus, like, I mean, are you able to hang out with them? Like, you can't see your family after games. There's a ton. And again, first world sacrifices, right? But like, you're making a ton of big sacrifice and it's got to get old after a while yeah, testing uh, every single day or every three days, how we do it. A football season, a football season is tiring enough to get through it yeah. uh, on a normal year when you can find ways to blow off steam, uh, you know, sips, patties, element, that kind of thing. I never went there. never, never heard of him. <laughs> uh, nor did I, of course, but uh, Austin Flynn used to go there all the time. He would tell us about it, but um, shout out Austin. Uh, but to not be able to do that stuff and then have all these other pressures and all these other kind of responsibilities for these 18 to 22 year olds, uh, just mentally, they got to be drained. So yeah, having a couple of weeks off before a bowl game to be able to exhale. Um, and, and also, I mean, just the physical part of it, get your body back uh, and then playing a new year six game that we've never, you know, we've never been to one of these bowls before. So uh, this is, I mean, I'm excited. It's, it sucks. We lost the big 12 championship game. That would have been an unbelievable uh, way to end the, the, you know, Big 12 season um, didn't happen. We're we're on to Oregon. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, kudos to you know Coach Campbell and all everybody, his staff and the team this year because you know everybody from Co Mark Coberly, head athletic trainer, to our strength staff, to everyone for just being in you know 
representing Iowa State, an extremely tough year and playing all of our games and keeping our guys healthy. It just, you know, it was fun to watch. We're proud of them. But, uh, yeah, I got one more big one that, man, that, that trophy would look nice. And just like what it does for your program to win a game like that, I think is uh, – I'm excited about it and we should beat Oregon. I think I imagine we'll probably be favored and, you know, hopefully we can, and it's, it's PlayStation Fiesta. Well, they're probably all going to get the new PS fives. You imagine in college. I, know. I, I saw that. That was one of the first things I saw when I was, uh, when I saw Fiesta was presented yeah, by PlayStation. Do you remember the bowl game sick. where we got like, I think it was Houston. Cause you get bowl gifts from like the school and then like the sponsor and then the game itself. We got, remember we got like three cameras and this is like <laughs> digital like actually we had a video camera from the bowl game a digital camera from the sponsor and then like another digital camera from iowa state <laughs> like i don't even want to yeah. begin to imagine what was on some of those cameras but it's like we it was like why do i like hey i got three cameras this is awesome hey you're a 20 you're a 20 year old male in college here's three digital cameras including a digital quarter go nuts yeah, boys yeah, um, was, um, anyways <laughs> moving moving right along bowl we could do a bowl gifts episode Dude, i don't even remember what other bowl i mean well, obviously with the you games, but... like sh- you know shoes and a bowl sweatsuit and like new you know nike sweatsuits and all that yeah, stuff you get all that fun stuff bowl shout hat. out john davis still wearing his bowl shoes i know the terrible like old nikes but <laughs> jd but um yeah who do you got i was gonna, I think... I was gonna want to talk about basketball or something like that I don't, I don't really feel like talking about that. We'll we'll just kind of keep this a uh, Big Twelve title game wrap up show. But I'll bet I do want to say, th- go ahead. No, it sounded like you had a good one. No, I was just going to say these the last couple of weeks have been. I mean, so much fun to be a Cyclone fan. Uh, just, I mean, and I, I've said this to different people, Brett. I probably said it to you. Love doing this, doing the podcast every week and being a part of Cyclone Fanatic, um, you know, thanks to Chris for kind of pull us, pulling us into this. Um, it feels like I've made so many like new friends and stuff. Most of you I've only met on Twitter, uh, but I have like inside jokes with people I've never met and stuff. It's just, it's been really cool the last couple of weeks, really all season. Um, so just excited to end it the right way with, uh, with a victory in the Fiesta Bowl. Thanks to everybody out there for the last few weeks. It's been incredibly enjoyable, even with the loss. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. That's my sentimental moment for the evening. You're signing off, like this is it. <laughs> and we're breaking up the pod. It's going to be the Meyer to Marquise Hamilton show from here on out. So. <laughs> Marquise Hamilton, <laughs> Meyer to Walter Nichols show. <laughs> no, nah, man, this is uh, yeah. When Chris came to us with this, um, I was excited. It's fun. I mean, who knows how many people listen, but we're just having fun and hopefully we're getting better and you're enjoying it. So um, it's, it's brought me back into, you know, I've always been a fan of cycling football, obviously cycling basketball. I, you know, followed pretty closely, but not as closely as, as I probably could at some points that now all of a sudden it's like, I don't want to miss a basketball game. I'm making sure that I'm watching the women's game when it's on TV and following along. It's made me uh, a lot bigger, better cyclone fan, um, not just cause we're doing the pod, but just cause I feel more involved and invested in, in cycling sports right now. So yeah, it, it's been to, cool. It's been really cool for me. I need to add ESPN plus to our cable package because I don't get the basketball games and we might be on a lot of ESPN plus this year. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think we're going to be mostly on ESPN. Plus. Yeah, well, I got ESPN plus uh, ESPN. U is what I don't have. I got oh, every ESPN gotcha. channel, but ESPN U and I missed the, missed the last couple games. But what I was going to say is I'll bet you, let's bet like a hundred dollars. I got Alabama. You got the field. 
Just kidding. I think I was What? No, they're going to boat race everybody. Actually, that's not a terrible bet. Clemson could. I mean, Trevor Lawrence no. would be the. No. I don't know. No, Alabama's going to do whatever they want to them. Mm. Have you watched their offense? I have. And the but... the days of the SEC defense dominating things, like th- yeah, those are gone, right? Now. We can finally put that to bed. But now they just default to, well, like their offenses are so good. It's like, eh. Yeah. Hey, last thing, speaking of, I just said boat race and made me, uh, reminded me, um, in our fantasy football league, Brett is playing my wife and she, I believe is doubling his points, uh, this week in fantasy football. Brett may have the worst fantasy football, uh, team in the history of fantasy football since its inception, you know, however, 30, whatever many years ago it was, um, his team is absolutely laughable. So are you done? We, we can so yeah, we can sign off with that. Well, you're the guy who invited Okay. If you've seen the league, you'll understand this joke. Todd's the guy that invites his wife to play in the league. So I've never. I've, is the league a show? Is that some sort of TV it, show? You know, it's a fantasy football show. It was on FX, and it's pretty funny. I've never heard of her. Yeah, one of the main characters is like his wife always wanted to play. And Todd invites his wife to play. Okay, we are, we already had couples in the I league know, it's already. A co-ed league. I'm just <laughs> yeah, it, but, so um, I got to check the score because I don't think what you're telling what you're saying is accurate. I don't believe that Brittany is beating me, but we'll see. At one, at one point in the first week, she had a 99 percent chance of winning the the match. Oh wow! So she is up 120 to 85. I have some guy named A Hooper going for the Giants. He's got five <laughs> for 41 and a touchdown right now. They're in the fourth quarter. So she's projected to have 256 points after this. Oh, no. Wow. That's and, and I, you're, you're projected oh, to have 100, 152. I read it wrong. Okay. 256 to 151. So Hooper's going to have to, he's going to have to go off in the last <laughs> four minutes. He's going to have a, have a 105 point night. <laughs> Good luck 11 to you. touchdowns in four minutes. And I want, no, I, I'm <laughs> it's the consolation. So I already took the L on the season, but. <laughs> it's a fraudulent league. We got husbands and wives making trades late in the week. It's a joke. I'm gonna, oh, here we go. I'm pushing for the commissioner to be fired. So, the commissioner whose spouse also plays in the league. Yeah, oh, shocker. Todd, you traded with Brett. You traded with your wife late, late one week. It's like you gave up a kicker for like Julio yeah, I got, Jones I got, and I got Kittle. I got Kittle out of the deal. He went on IR a week later. <laughs> yeah, but you still. Okay, we're talking about our fantasy football team. I know. We should we're we should probably everybody. stop now. I know. All right, Cyclone fan, we'll probably do. I imagine we'll probably do some kind of preview with those guys. Hopefully for the Fiesta Bowl and. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be uh, we'll check back in next week. I don't know what we'll have to talk about, but we'll figure something out. Maybe we'll talk fantasy the whole time. Yeah, stay tuned. Make sure everybody tunes in next week. We'll uh, break down week by week our fantasy season. Yeah. All right. Been a good year. Got one more. Go Cyclones, and uh, we'll check back in next week. That's right. Go Clones.